This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Toink. What's Toink? Toink is your online source for cool costumes, trendy toys, and hot collectibles. It is an amazing, eclectic online toy store. Hey, we checked them out at one of the conventions, and we reached out to them and said, we love the selection of neat stuff that you have available. Check it out. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and find the link to Toink, T-O-Y-N-K. Simply click on that link, surf around, and you're going to find some cool stuff. Using our link supports the show and gives us a little cut of your spend at no extra cost to you. So definitely go to Toink, find something neat, and support Nerdcognito. Now, on with the show. Hey, what's up? My name is Ryan David. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Nerd Cognito. Another week has gone by, and we are here, and the other part of the we is my good friend Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Oh, not too bad this week. Not too bad at all. Uh, you know, that week where it was the recovery week from Thanksgiving. <laughs> sure, absolutely. You know, you it feels like that turkey coma drags on for days, doesn't it? It does, and then this week sort of wakes you up and, you know, gets life rolling again until the, the holidays at the end of the month roll in. So um, it's, the, it's the calm before the storm, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, anything exceptional going on in your world this week? No, not really. You know, the usual work and, uh, you know. Got a chance to do uh, a little bit of gaming, you know, me and my crazy gaming groups. I, I do, I do. Uh, I I didn't do much of anything uh, gaming-related this week. It was all business or family all the time. So uh, it was busy, but it wasn't bad, so to speak. Um, right. I, I, I did get a pleasant surprise. The boss was out Christmas shopping this week, and she came home with... Uh, all four of the re-released 12-inch figures of the original Ghostbusters team for me. So, oh, that's nice—a little pre-Christmas, a little pre-holiday present. Yeah, yeah. We were out looking at them before, and they only had um, Ray, Egon, and Winston. There was no Peter, and oh. and so of course I'm like, I'm not buying three and not having the fourth one. And uh, she went out, and same store, I guess they just got more stock in, and uh, she saw that all four were there, so she scooped them up for me. Because, you know, uh, above things that I need more of, uh, <laughs> board games, action figures. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. You know, that you're not, like, buried under a mountain of plastic already. I, I am. You know, I, I was thinking about how fast would the game room go if there was a fire at the castle. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's basically 90% petroleum products down there. Or cardboard. Right. Uh, either way, it's going to be bad. <laughs> Oh, let's not wish a fire. We're going to give no. them some ideas. Uh, they were on us a little bit this week. Um, tell you a tale uh, in case you didn't see it. If uh, our friends that are listening follow us at Nerd Cognito on the Twitter machine, 
the powers that be that run the Twitter were on it on Saturday morning. But, uh, you know, 2023 is coming up, Bert. Mm-hmm. And uh, the powers that be thought it would be a great time to get some new caricature art or portrait art or something, right? Just freshen up the logo, right? We've had it for sure, over a year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to update our look. So we found an artist that uh, was a fan of the show. Um, normally, I would give a shout out, but once you hear this story, you'll know why I'm not giving a shout out. And I have okay. no ill will at all towards this artist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface that up front. Um, they found an artist that they liked, and uh, they forwarded it to me, because, you know, I get to say so. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're the one who's on here every week with me. And... Um, and I said, yeah, I love it because we were looking for something that sort of fit the vibe for all areas of our nerdish love. Um, and I was sort of lobbying to get a little hint of Sparkle Troll in the art just for just for laughs, right? <laughs> so found an artist, loved his art style, um, was happy to, to reach out to him, uh, I actually, I was the one that originally reached out to him because back when I had a Twitter at I Hate Ryan David, which is now defunct, hopefully that'll be coming back soon for courtesy of Mr. Musk. But um, he he was someone that I regularly interacted with on Twitter. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, th- this is what we're doing. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I said, well, you know, what's your commission rates? And I said, oh, I know you're really talented. He's like, no, but I love the show. You know, um, if you guys have me on the show, it's like I'll I'll have you on the show for just because, just to talk about your art. Uh, it's, right, absolutely. I mean, every, we always encourage other creators. Right, everybody. Always. But everybody needs to be paid for what they do, so I want to pay you. And so he threw out a number, and it was fine. Um, and and we agreed on that number. Uh, Saturday morning, apparently. Uh, the powers that be, since I'm not on Twitter, got a message right. from him, and uh, he was kicking around some stuff w- with the arts and and giving it to them, and they were going back and forth, and they talked about it, and then ten minutes later, he he sent this message. Um, uh, I, I've got bad news. Did something happen? Uh, apparently so. He shared with his boyfriend that he was really excited that he was going to be the artist of choice to represent our, you know, our, our beautiful faces, Bert, come on. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and possibly work with us on some other projects in, in the coming year. And his boyfriend said, ah, 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 in the sparkle troll community, they're on a Twitter block list. You can't do business with them. And apparently this Ooh. guy really beat up his boyfriend. Not, 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 Physically. Not literally. No. Okay. But, um, oh. Now I wasn't there. I can't put a label on on the conversation. You know, uh, a lot of the folks that were interacting with the powers that be on Twitter were were saying, you know, this is abusive or this is controlling. I think that it's in that vein, but I wasn't there. I don't know. But I. Right. I and there, I mean, sometimes you anybody who's in a lasting relationship. Sometimes you make sacrifices for the good of that relationship. You're, you know, you uh, we're both married people. You know, you, you've done things that uh, your spouse wanted you to do that you weren't 
exactly happy about at the time, right? Sure, Everybody and I've, has, I've so. done things also that haven't made my spouse exactly happy at the time. That sort of right. that happens both ways. To exactly. make a long story short, he withdrew. So, um, right. Well, I mean, uh, obviously he's got to make the best decision for him. I'm sorry to see him go because, you know, certainly we love encouraging creator new creators and, uh, you know, would have been happy to have him on the show. But, you know, if he's concerned about, you know, if this is something that he does for a living, is he concerned about backlash from the people who are, you know, sort of oppose you on a weekly basis? No, as it was communicated to me, it was just a a pressure relationship decision. And I get it. Real life comes first. So like I said, sure. I have zero angst and zero ill will towards this particular artist. But what I do hate is the fact that that mindset is so pervasive. Like the first thing you're going to do is check block lists before, before you take a commission question mark. Um, especially I find it hard to believe if they're in this loving committed relationship. And I know this guy is a weekly listener, big fan of the show, right? I I know this. He was a, a fan of the show since the Mikey days. Okay. Okay. Um, how does the, the boyfriend not know that he doesn't, that his guy doesn't dig our show. You know, it's just something's rotten in Denmark. So, uh, whatever we, we have no artist right now. (laughs) So the old dog is going to be there for a while. Um, I know you're putting out a casting call for artists then. No, no, no. I know you're going to find this, uh, incredibly shocking, but our friends in the OSR that are artistically inclined have already stepped up and said, hey, here's our portfolio on DeviantArt. Here's my portfolio. Here's my website. Uh, would be happy to do it. Um, just talk to us. So, cool. uh, you know, we talked about it last week. And this is the perfect example where community doing what community needs to do. So, uh, again, geez, being all sappy again. What are we talking about this week, Bert? Well, I mean, you know, you you mentioned the local community. Well, we have some sad news from our own local community to discuss a little bit. Indeed, we do. Indeed, we do. Greater reaching, you know, sort of impact of that. Yeah, our our friendly local gaming store uh, is closing its doors at the end of the month. So they are closing their business year out and and closing up shop along with it. So we're going to talk about just how the spread, I guess, into mainstream mass market is affecting what was the bedrock and the, the cornerstone of the hobby for decades. And that's that's the local gaming shop. Um, right. The small gaming store. I mean, at, when I, I don't know about when in your area, but when I was a kid, it started with like your local comic book store was where you could sometimes get D&D books and things like that. And then you saw like gaming expansion you saw game stores pop up and then and now you know like i said we can we'll talk about that in the segment yeah we will what else we got going on well we've got the news of course as always and Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh we have a friend of the show stopping by on the flip side of the news uh greg lambert designer and author of the Chronicle of Irie series is dropping in to talk about 
his new expansion in the Iris world, and uh, you know we're gonna hopefully get some eyeballs on his product. Um, it's it's. Oh, I can't wait to see that. His stuff is always really like the last one we looked at was just great. Bert, it's gorgeous, and uh, as much shit as I give the sparkly ones about anthropomorphic animals, uh, you know that I loved his take on just animal kind in Iris, and right. this expansion is exclusively dedicated to those species and their worlds so we're going to talk to that's going to be exciting i can't wait to see that yeah we're going to talk to greg about that on the flip side of the news my goodness everybody listening needs to to hop on he has an indiegogo for its launch right now it is priced at such a price point that every single one of our listeners right now can absolutely pledge it and not even feel it when they wake up tomorrow morning so uh, we hope to get some 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 dollars going his way because his work is always top notch. So we'll talk to Greg after we talk about the front half of the show, which again you you said the sad news. One of our favorite hangs is is going away. Right, right, and I mean, is this a sort of a precursor of things to come as gaming becomes more mainstream? Are we going to see these you know small businesses that we've been frequenting for years die out because i've been i've been going to this you know our local gaming shop since you introduced me to it that was years and years ago right exactly i you know, know every time i made a new character i would go there for new dice i would look for i would source my books there my board games like it was sort of my go-to spot if i was looking for something new and interesting right i know that they had a really hard time when the world shut down for covid and they almost didn't make it there, um, just from talking to to the owners. You know, it's family business. It's, sure. Um, and I got to to know some of the people there, and they almost didn't pull out of COVID. And it looks like it was just prolonging the agony. Um, I, I, I honestly, and of course, I'm not going to go talk to my friends about their business. Right. But I honestly don't think they were ever able to recover because when you're talking about a store, there's overhead and expense and, you know, they're in an outbuilding at a mall. That rent ain't cheap and there's no, no rent moratorium not. at the mall. Whether no. <laughs> no. So no, I know that, um, that, that they were in a very tough spot and I'm wondering if they were just underwater because of the shutdown and just never recovered. It's certainly possible, but you also have to look at things like, I mean, you know, you can get not to, you know, not to, I would never advocate for, you know, always support local when you can. That's, that's always been my first rule. But if you look at the expansion of things and as gaming becomes more mainstream, you can buy D&D books at Target. Right. No, I, you know, everybody's got them. Big Bad Amazon has it. Uh, Target has it. Barnes and Noble, well, you know, Barnes and Noble's always had them. They're a bookstore. Right. Uh, but here's what's missing, right? And and again, I know that some local gaming stores get a bad rap because they can't compete price-wise with those channels. Just they don't have the buying power, you know? No, of course not. Um. I mean- you're not buying thousands of copies to get yourself a discount. And and I think this was something that in our local case was incredibly sensitive too because their primary pricing mechanic when they were cross-checking and, and, and determining where their level was going to be was Amazon. 
And I know that Mm. for a fact too. Um, You can't compete with that. And I don't mind paying more and people are 10, 20, 30% more. Well, here's the difference. Go ahead, shop on Amazon. Just, you know, don't go to the store. Don't look at the book. Don't touch the book. Don't play at their tables. Don't use their gaming library. Don't talk to their people and don't try to find a group there. That intangible or those intangibles, I should say, have value. And that's where I feel okay because in the grand scheme of things, it's all just expensive cardboard and plastic anyhow. Right. I mean, I would go in there and I would get, you know, somebody would be like, oh, this new this new book just came out. This new expansion just came out. Hey, we've got some new board games. Um, you know, if you like this style of play, like I've gotten some great recommendations for things that I would have never even had on my radar just by going into the local store. And that's kind of the value that it brings to me. You know, you get to talk to other people who are in the games, gaming scene, see what they're enjoying, get recommendations and, you know, maybe try on something that you would have, you know, never done, you know, on your own. Not to mention, you know, the camaraderie in the community. It, it was very much akin to the community that we were, you know, talking about earlier in the show when I was telling the tragic tale of the artist. Um, you know, our friends in the OSR, our friends at the friendly local gaming store, you could always go in and find a table and just pick up and play. That was worth money. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I didn't have something to do, now that I have all these gaming groups, I don't do it as much anymore. But when I didn't have something to do, you could head down there on a Saturday morning. Guys would be setting up board games. They'd be like, we got room for one more. There's always room for one more. Right. And they were always looking to cater to the different audiences that they served. You know, they, they know uh, my love of the Arkham Files series of games, right? Right. They said, hey, Ryan, will you run all of the Arkham games? And, of course, my schedule at that time, that's when I was working, like, the full-on, full-on, it just precluded me doing it. But I would have loved to do that because they were willing to give the space and sponsor the game and bring more eyes to the hobby in a good way as opposed to sort of this knee-jerk reactionary way that we're getting eyes on the hobby now. Um, Right, I mean, it's it's nice to see, you know, it's nice to, you know, sort of, you know, get to try, uh, try before you buy rather than see a shiny pop-up ad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's just a sad state of affair. So what do you say, Bert? We'll each cough 50 grand as a capital investment. <laughs> 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 yeah, right, huh? Now, so, uh, oh, so what you mean is we're going to clean out your basement. <laughs> uh, I, you know what, though? Right there is a feasible, playable library for the in-house that is that added value that would be the difference between the 5 or 10 bucks that you're going to save on Amazon. So uh, I'm going to miss them. I'm going to miss Me them. Too. I know that this is not a exclusive-to-us story because you know we've seen this trend, unfortunately, for a really long time, and uh, they're just you know, getting swallowed up. There were a lot of gaming stores nationwide. You know, it was back when I was on the Twitter um, during that pandemic time when the world was shut down. 
there was just terrible, terrible stories. And again, it's family businesses. This is how they they made their bones. This is how they fed right. their family. And, and it just didn't make it for whatever reason. Um, again, I don't want to exclusively attribute this to COVID. I don't know. Uh, maybe if I pop in and the feeling is right, or if they're talking about it, I can get some more dirt on it and pass it along to you off the air. But it doesn't okay. matter why they're gone. The point is that they're gone, and uh, right. they're going to be missed in the community. Right. Another another milestone in our years of gaming disappears into the abyss. Oh, it's the saddest news that I've heard in a long time. Oh, and you said news, too. Okay. Uh, we have the news? I did say news. Uh, I've, I, I've got... I don't know. It's kind of a mixed bag of news this week. Okay. It's a short mixed bag of news this week. There have been a lot of news, but not a lot that's worth talking about, if that makes any sense to you. Um, okay. Bits and bobs. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably the biggest announcement that uh, came out this week was the plan to make Gloomhaven the role-playing game. Okay. Yeah. Gloomhaven, the giant, you know, basically you know, biggest board game I've seen lately is going to be a role-playing game. It is the Gloomhaven role-playing game, which takes place in the Gloomhaven world. Uh, and it's run by a gloom master. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it is coming out in tabletop fashion. Uh, they're going Do you to... have to be emo to call yourself by that title? I don't know. That's a terrible name. That's a terrible name. Uh, gloom master? The gloom that's, that's master. Little... Mm, I don't know about that. Shh. Uh, from from the announcement, they supposedly have created a skill system that interacts with the Gloomhaven world and has mechanics that tie to the game so that mysteries reveal on the tabletop level the same way that they would reveal in the Legacy board game. Hmm. It's interesting. So... In addition to those mysteries and role-playing, I guess, encounters, for lack of a better term, I don't know. Right. It's, we're, we're more than a, a, a year away from the release. It's going to be interesting. It's it's not... They're claiming it's not just a board game with a DM. Or, excuse me, a GM. Excuse me, a Gloom Master. <laughs> I'm never going to... Oh. I, I, I just... I can't let that one go. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, the... the, the uh... You know, just thinking about it, you know, the word gloom master, you're like, I, I, you have to be emo to run that, right? Uh, like um, I, I think the biggest, I guess, catch or hook that Gloomhaven has is, well, I'm going to ask you, you know, you've played the game. What was the defining thing about what Gloomhaven did different than other dungeon crawlers? Uh, the card combat system. Oh, absolutely. And this newly developed system is integrating card management into the role-playing experience. So uh, I guess their combat system is going to be largely intact, akin to the board game, but somehow set in the tabletop world. Uh, details hmm. are very thin right now. Uh, again, the original announcement just came out. Uh, it's going to hit backer kit in April 2023. So, uh, who knows 
when we can actually expect to play it. But uh, right. I mean, I'll keep an eye on it. I'll play. Uh, I'll play it if you get it. But you have to be the gloom master. No, I. Here, here's the thing. I don't know. And I know this is going to be a surprise to you, but I don't know if I'm really going to pick this one up at first. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm questioning. So I might let it sort of swim on its own for a little bit, and then if it is well-received and works, maybe pick it up post-launch. I can see that, because, I mean, with the board game, you know, we knew what we were getting into, and it was... You know, it was fun, it was simple, but with a new role-playing system, they don't they can be kind of wonky on release. So I can see why you'd kind of take a flyer on this and let it let it sit for a minute. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm thinking. That's that's really, really where I'm thinking I, I should I should let this one go. Hey, I like Masters of the Universe. <laughs> no, really? I, I do, I do. Uh, You're the only grown man I know who still has his, still has Snake Mountain. I no, I don't remember. My mother sold it. Oh, that's right. You have Castle Grace. I have the new castle. I had them all. She sold them all. Um, oh, but uh, the I am picking up the entire Origins line, which is kind of sad and pathetic in some ways. But uh, I I have a lot of of He Man. Uh, Masters of the Universe is returning to comic books in 2023, and I am excited because Dark Horse is going to be publishing the Masters of the Universe Masterverse comic. Oh, that's interesting. So Dark Horse has always had some sort of interesting titles. They have, and the lore that is behind Masters of the Universe is so much deeper than the 80s cartoon. Absolutely it is. There's just so much play with Skeletor and the royal family of Eternia and Evil Lynn, and uh, there's so many dynamics that that I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, I always said, I don't know what comic book title is going to bring me back into a subscription instead of me just waiting for, like, the omnibus to come. Right. I think I know the comic book title... It's going to have me going to my friendly local comic book store and subscribing. So uh, boards and long boxes for you, then. <laughs> uh, it is just a four-comic series that they're putting out, so we don't know the length. We don't know where the show picks up, but it's got to be better than The Living Abortion that Kevin Smith put on Netflix. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Dark Horse has never let me down in the past. Going all the way back to their roots, right? Um, always been a fan of Dark Horse, so hopefully the power of Grayskull is preserved. Did you play any uh, Joe and Mac back in the day? Joe and Mac. Was that the Caveman Ninja? That was Caveman Ninja, yes. Yes, I played Caveman Ninja. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know what Joe and Mac is, just so that you have a reference, just Google the the box art for the original video game, and then you'll you'll understand why this closes out our short news segment of the week. The arcade classic Joe and Mac 
is getting a Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition adventure. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> I am not kidding. <laughs> this I have to hear. So what is, it's a, uh, you said they're getting their own adventure. So it's what uh, set in the stone age. Joe and Mac, the cavemen ninjas are getting their own Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition one shot that is going to adapt the prehistoric caveman brawling video game into <laughs> the world of D and D. Uh, the Joe and Mac D&D 5e Adventure can be downloaded right now from Hobby Japan's website. It even has an English localization. It is ridiculous, as you would expect. Of but course. it is the perfect kind of ridiculous that will tangentially, and in fact it requires a copy of the PHB from 5th edition, um, it is just a one-shot. It runs about two hours, and as they put it, it's designed for characters level six through eight. <laughs> so characters level six through eight in a caveman ninja adventure. Yes. It, it's The adventure itself is an adaptation of the very first stage of the arcade game. So it is a linear series of events that's meant to play abstract, theater of the mind, no map, no minis. And all enemies are assumed to be at least 10 feet away. <laughs> so, so what next? We're going to see other Cape Man titles like Bonk's Adventure is going to be a one shot. Oh, I freaking loved Bonk, man. <laughs> the head charge. I'll tell you what, the TurboGrafx-16 doesn't get the love that it should from the retro gaming community. There were some great titles there, but uh, yeah. Joe and Mac D&D 5th Edition Adventure is coming up. And if it's a two-hour one-shot, you know what I'm thinking, Bert. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? I will dust out or dust off the 5th Edition PHB to play some Joe and Mac. How do you think our table would take it? I don't know. What do you... I didn't even... I, I know that uh, would roll his eyes and hate it, but play it. Because we'll play almost anything. Yeah. The rest of the table, I don't know. I, I don't see them not playing it. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I don't see Mikey being super excited about it. No, no. <laughs> that That is, is almost for sure, for certain. Uh, boy, it's not oh exactly boy. the dark story that he kind of gravitates towards. No, Joe and Mac, Caveman Ninja, the tabletop <laughs> role-playing adventure. I cannot wait. And that, my friend, is our abbreviated version of the news. Not too bad. Well, there you go, Bird. Another week of the news. <laughs> yeah, it's always interesting, isn't it? It sure is. You know, it's more interesting than the news. We Almost have, anything? Well, <laughs> what's way more interesting than the news is we have our uh, good friend and friend of the show and making his second appearance on Nerd Cognito, Greg Lambert from the Chronicle of Iris with us. Hey, Greg. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's been a busy week. How's your week been? Pretty freaking busy. I was going to say, you have something very special and new and hence... You have joined us and graced us with your presence that we're going to talk about tonight, and it's really exciting. It's the one 
I guess, well, I'm going to let you talk about it and then I'll tell everybody why I'm really excited for this. So you have an Indiegogo that launched and it is the Wilder Kind. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about it. So this is going to be an expansion on our original Chronicles of Iris setting material, which I was on your uh, your show to talk about the Doom that came to Astrius, which is our last expansion. That was a sword and sorcery uh, full adventure. Now this one is uh, actually a... I would classify it as a splat book. It's not enormous. <laughs> the Wilderkind are kind of woodsy and winsome mythical animal characters. And if any of you listening are familiar with Iris, the Chronicles of Iris are setting, you will have seen those in there. Uh, but this book is going to completely flesh out a lot of information about them that was missing from our first setting guide. So we it's basically a, a guide for new races. Uh, Twelve new races will be included um, for both 5th edition and Castles and Crusades. So that is, uh, that's the one thing that we're most excited about is actually branching into Castles and Crusades, which is more of an OSR type of game system. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Absolutely. When I saw that this expansion was going to cover the bases, not only with 5th edition, because I have uh, predictably soured even more on 5th edition since we last talked. But when I saw that you branched out into C&C, I was really geeked because the one thing, you know, I, I take some shit and I always make jokes about, oh, anthropomorphic, blah, 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 uh, <laughs> from the Sparkle Troll community. I don't hate that. I just don't think it's done right. And the glimpses that we saw, we're big fans of the Iris setting. Uh, the glimpses that we saw there, just to have more, you know, I want more. It, it, it's incredibly exciting for me. Well, good. Um, you know, Steven Chenault, the CEO of uh, Troll Lord Games, he was excited for it. He retweeted me about it. And uh, I think his brother, Davis Chenault, sent me some PDF material to kind of use as research for Castles and Crusades as well. Uh, because they did a um, they did their own kind of animal-centric thing called Harvesters. Right, uh, Harvesters was, the, was their whole dive into that, so. Yeah, yeah but see, 99% uh, of the time when you're dealing with these types of characters in a fantasy setting, uh, they are the entire setting. You know, like the, the entire the world revolves around them, and there's nothing else. There's no humans or elves or dwarves. Mm. Uh, if you think about harvesters or root or humble wood or mouse guard or mouse ritter, right? It's a, their world. It's yes, not exactly. It's not the classic high fantasy world with these guys inserted. Right. So our goal with this is to have those red wall inspired high fantasy characters. So. Uh, they're essentially the opposite of what you would see in the Sparkle Troll world. Um, they're very classically Brian Jocks influenced. Brian Jocks was Roman Catholic guy who was somewhat conservative. Um, it's it's purely high adventure, high fantasy, dungeon delving and dungeon crawling. You can do with this book is import a kind of a Redwall like tone and feel and atmosphere into any fantasy game. It doesn't have to be 5th edition War Castles and Crusades. You can convert Castles and Crusades into any OSR pretty easily. 
Um, there, there's instructions for how to do that easily accessible online. So if you're looking for that feeling and you want to have these type of characters in your world alongside humans, elves, and dwarves, and halflings, then I think this is going to scratch that itch for you. Now, Bert, when I saw this and you were telling me about your uh, sort of newbie group, I was like, this is spot on, on point where you can give them a a more authentic game experience. So I, I said, man, this has Bert's group just written all over it. Absolutely. I mean, now I have to say one of the things that I was impressed with, with the last expansion that we looked at was, you know, the sort of in-depth and little nuanced details that we got for the different races and things that we saw. Are we going to see that same type of thing in this uh, supplement? Of course. Everything that I do is uh, extremely well-defined in terms of war and storyline and narrative. It's built into the game. Uh, Our racial abilities have a lot of story... uh, Well, I wouldn't say Uh, story, but... Species ability. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hyperventilate. <laughs> They're yelling at you. <laughs> oh, but species isn't good enough. You saw that. That's Oh, I did. Uh, I it's did. actually worse, in fact. You can't... <laughs> we can talk about that after after we talk about the product. <laughs> yeah. That that was just blew my mind this week. Right. So even our yeah, even our racial abilities have or built into the text. If you can imagine a magic card, Magic the Gathering, the right. way it used to be when you know they have the flavor text. It's like that. I try to weave a lot of small narrative glances and uh, nuances all throughout the book that lets you get a a better atmosphere and like a complete flavor from the text. Um, we have quotes from. Uh, high-level NPCs telling you more about the world off to the side. Um, so we always, we always aim to have a high level of production value with anything that we do. Absolutely. And, and that, that was one of the things I appreciated about the last expansion so much was I've seen a, a similar type of product, but it was a mechanics guide. Basically, it's like, oh, you want to build a rat person. Okay, here's their stats. And yeah. nothing about why they would adventure, nothing about their you know, where they come from, nothing about, no lore of any kind. It was just a mechanics handbook on how to basically slot a character into your world. Correct, yep. And some people might say that this is to the detriment of the book, is that it might seem on the outset to be too setting-specific. And I know a lot of gamers are wary of having too setting-specific material. They want to have it ready to import into whatever they're doing, even if they're using Forgotten Realms or you know, Paizo, whatever the setting is for that. Um, they want it to be ready to go for that. And with this, you know, we're going to have standalone stat blocks and character creation rules on their own pages. Um, we um, would encourage you, I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment from delving into the text and learning more about the lore and the origin of these creatures and the world that they inhabit but you know just in case you do want to simply take the uh mechanical aspects of these character types and put them in your game you should be able to do that as well so i would say it is ultimately setting agnostic but a familiarity with the irie chronicles of irie setting would go a long way to enhancing your enjoyment oh absolutely and i i think it's really important to know that this can 
be a great point of entry for someone that's looking to branch out. Uh, you know, it's not specifically an expansion to Chronicles of Iris. It is standalone, right? Right. I mean, I would consider it an expansion. So not to clog you with backstory here, but in our clog first- me, I love backstory. <laughs> And unless it's 20 pages and you are yes. got purple hair in your hand. You will die in the first <laughs> session if that happens. But yeah, so in our first book, the, all of the Wilderkind are technically listed there. And there are 12 different ones. You know, you have Badgerkin and uh, there are weasels, wolves, bears, you know, those type of animals. We stuck to mainly a European guideline. You're not going to find any raccoons, unfortunately, those are North American. Um, but we didn't flesh them all out. We basically, my thought was, I don't really want to have the first book be too heavy on the animal stuff. You know, that would, if I fleshed out 12 animal races in the book, it would take up like a third of the book. That was, that was too much. So I consolidated down like eight or nine of the races into just a generic rule set that says, if you want to play as this, here's some guidelines. And that was it. And people came to me afterward, and they expressed the idea that, hey, man, wh- why why don't you have this fleshed out? And I have to tell them the same story. So that really was my goal here, was to be like, well, a lot of people are requesting that I actually flesh out all 12 with their own personality, culture, rules, and abilities. So that's what I'm going to do. And that's really what this is. So it is an expansion in a way, but it's all new material that you haven't seen before. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Talk to me about the price point, because when I saw this, when you first announced it, I I was just shocked and I'll beat you up about not having a physical book later, but (laughs) 10 bucks, 10 bucks. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't don't like to gouge anyone. I mean, it's probably going to be like a 60, 70, maybe 80 tops page book. Um, tin is fine. Uh, I've spent about $2,000 on artwork already. So anything- well, that's what I was saying. Cause the artwork as with everything that you've released so far is impeccable. It, it's truly, truly brilliant. So uh, when I saw even at 60 pages, 10 bucks, I said, Oh gosh, we got to get this to 20. bucks." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, as you can see by looking at the Indiegogo, it's not exactly flying to the moon right now. But that's no, a, but- that's okay. You know, that's what I'm here for. Maybe we can get some more people interested. Um, if we can get a few more eyeballs there, you have a very modest uh, final goal as well. So yeah. I'm assuming that it's either done or really close to being in the can, right? That's right. That's right. And what, the reason why we went with Indiegogo is that with a flexible goal, even if we don't hit the ultimate goal, I still get the money. So anything will help contribute to making this a better book. Um, our main artist on this product is his name is J. Max Wilson, and uh, his work is brilliant and has like an old school flair. And uh, he worked on uh, a video game called The Lost Legends of Redwall uh, by Sonoma Games. We're excited to have that level of artwork in the book. I don't mind charging ten dollars. You know, that's fine with me. I don't <laughs> I'm care. I'm just giving you a hard time yeah. because I think that that your work, um, you know, historically has been top notch, and I think you could have got a little more. <laughs> Probably. 
But Bert will tell you, I'm just the evil capitalist. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a capitalist either. But looking, I mean, looking at the artwork and things like that, even just you know the small promos that I'm seeing here, like the the way that it's laid out, it it feels it has this great sort of storybook element that you know you kind of want to show it off to your players at the table. You want them to uh, you know take a look at the artwork and look at the. you know, oh, you're going to play that? Okay, well, great. Look at some of this stuff. Here's a map. Here's some pictures. Like, it's not just a resource for the person running the game or for character creation and putting it away. Like, it has this storybook feel to it that you want to refer back to it. Yeah, all of our books are like that. I want our books to make you feel like you're cracking open a classic fantasy novel from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, all of our artwork and layout is designed towards that goal. I don't want it to feel like a very modern, slick CGI, uh, Magic the Gathering, Wizards of the Coast type of generic feel. I want it to feel like you're, and with the Doom that came to Asterisk, you open it up, you're, you're, you've gone back to Heavy Metal Magazine. You know, um, with the Shadows of Pat Fidel, you open it up, you've transported back to 1982, The Secret of Nim, you know, Don Bluth classic. That's the type of atmosphere we want to have for all of our books. I think you are highly successful, not only with the art, but just with, you know, at the way that you sort of smith it together. Um, we're big fans. You know that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so here, here's the deal. Everybody listening right now needs to go to Indiegogo. The link is going to be very prominent in the show notes. Find it, click it. Uh, it is the Wilderkin, W-I-L-D-E-R-K-I-N-D. You can search that on Indiegogo. Ten bucks, people. Uh, get on this. Let's get this funded. Let's get it to the moon so that uh, I can twist some arms and get a physical copy yeah. <laughs> down now, the road. I do want to get it next year, and I plan to do it. The only reason I'm not offering it here is because, as ashamed as I am to say this, I'm not finished fulfilling our Astrius physical Kickstarter. Um, everyone should have gotten the digital copy, but we're just running into a few snags getting out all the physical books. So I didn't want to bite off more than I can chew with this one. No, that, that's very fair and reasonable. And I think, you know, transparency is king and people certainly appreciate that. I, I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So, um, we sort of talked about it before. What do you think of this 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 whole race kerfuffle that's going on this week in the in the five E world? Oh my god! Where do, I, <laughs> where do I start? Didn't mean to to blast that out of nowhere, but geez, yeah, uh, Bert, could... I don't know if you're aware because I know you had a jam packed week. Did did you catch up on any of the news from, I did from not. this week? No. Okay. Um, this week, specifically, uh, the Wizards of the Coast D&D team made a statement that not only are they going to remove connotations of the word race, they're going to replace it with species. They also were very adamant and sort of doubled down. You know, it's one thing. Okay, race, species. I might even let that one pass. But okay. they doubled down and said, we're never going back and... Some of the developers independently on the interwebs went on these rants about how tyrannical it was to have that concept of race. Of course, in a great 
uh, I guess, attempt to appease my favorite demographic. Um, that demographic <laughs> did not receive it very well because, <laughs> as Greg said, uh, they came out species, and and apparently that's even more problematic now than race. So because of bioessentialism. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so so that's that's the big deal. You know, another I would say pretty critical and centric thing from the origins of the game that we loved is just being carved out and discarded. It already started when they removed racial ability bonuses and any type of mechanical um, inclination that would uh, imply that races had their own culture. That's wrong. They can't have their own language. They can't have their own alignment. Uh, that's all wrong. And they cite that this is somehow problematic and this, this is resolving a big issue in the community. Well, you know, newsflash Wizards of the Coast, it was never a problem anywhere except Twitter. I was going to say, we have decades of history, and no one has ever batted an eye. I've, so, I've been playing for 30-plus years. Right. And, and no one has ever cared about this. It's only ever been a problem with a vocal Twitter community. Twitter being a non-existent world, a fake place that doesn't actually exist in the real world. So, you know, there's that classic uh, idiom, get, get woke, go broke. It looks like they're about to go down that road once again. Another poor release. So, so that's yeah. that's where we're at, Bert. What? How do you feel about race being ripped out? Well, I mean, they're just. I mean, replacing one term for another doesn't doesn't seem like a huge change. You know what I mean? You, you all you're doing is changing one word. You're changing race to species, but the fact that it's causing so much backlash is I think kind of something it's probably something that I would have left alone just because it's creating so much backlash now from we changed it, but you're still not happy with it, but, but we changed it and we're not going back. So now you've got people who are sort of classics players who are mad because you changed it. And people who are new players who are, unhappy because you changed it to something they still don't like so right. no one is happy if everybody's equally miserable then why make that change it doesn't seem like a solid business idea yeah. uh, i don't think there have been solid business ideas for for quite some time we talked about that last week just uh, you know tangentially related to black friday and mm -hmm. looking at the last seven releases and uh, i don't know you know, if they had just said, yep, we're changing the word and just left it at that, I probably could have lived with it okay. And everyone, all of my OSR buddies and all the old school people, like, okay, well, whatever. We saw this coming a mile away. But right, we, we would have poked at it for yeah. a day or two and then that's it. But if they right. if they had just said, yep, we're just going to change it and they left it at that. But no, they had to have a long diatribe about how we understand that race was a problematic word that created systems of oppression at the gaming table and like all this nonsense. And it's like, you do understand that this is medieval fantasy. And I tweeted about this, that fantasy must be archaic. Fantasy must come from myth and from history. And there, 
elements of archaic language and fantasy that are important, uh, that come from sword and sorcery and Tolkien. And race is one of those words, but there's a ton more. There's a ton more, like, for example, in Tolkien, the elves would say something to the effect of, the age of men has passed. Oh my gosh, they said the age of men? Don't they mean the age of they, them? Maybe it's men and women. No, you can't say men and women. There's more, you know, they shouldn't be trying to inject modern thought into this medieval fantasy concept that doesn't work it waters it down and it removes some of the identity and some of the charm that it has no i i am 100 percent in agreement with you and i'm glad to see that you know we're expanding on the 12 races (laughs) (laughs) from the chronicles of iris um I, I again, I encourage everyone go check out the Indiegogo. It's beautiful. We want to get you funded. We want to see this so that I can selfishly have that hard copy book. Uh, <laughs> Bert, so any any final thoughts? I mean, you, I've always loved the uh, sort of the the archetype of the anthropomorphic character, and this is a way to you know flesh that out way more so there's no reason not no no reason that you wouldn't want to set your table i mean between the the artwork and the deep lore and the simple mechanics like it's something that anybody can anyone who's running a game could have in their toolbox yeah absolutely animal characters are the clearest and most simple example of how to role play at the table because you understand what they represent they are archetypes They're not skin suits that are laid over a human character. Badgers are known to be cantankerous and grumpy and violent, but protective. Cats are mysterious, aloof, and secretive. And, you know, every animal has their own, like, role-playing archetypes. And that's part of the reason for this expansion is to allow you to bring that to the table and have, like, a complete package that you know how to act as this character uh, and bring a lot of depth to the role-playing environment. Super geeked to, to always see our friends uh, put out new material, and, and we are thrilled. Hey, make sure that you follow Greg on the evil Twitter machine. Uh, you can yep. follow him at Iris Chronicles. That's A-E-R-E-S Chronicles. Um, he is uh, just... His insight is always tremendous, and you can stay on top of all of his updates and things that relate to the Chronicles of Iris by following him there. Plus, uh, you can see him banter back and forth with the powers that be that run the NerdCognito Twitter account. Hey, speaking of the Twitter account, after you've followed Iris Chronicles, make sure to also give a follow to our Checkmark Hero. That's right, our Checkmark Hero is still Matt Barninger. Uh, until Elon turns on the ability for us to buy the checkmark again, uh, Matt is going to be the the head guy when it comes to our checkmark heroes. Uh, he's an awesome writer and screenwriter. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Barninger, B-A-R-N-I-N-G-E-R. And you will be pleasantly surprised from the tweets that you see from our checkmark hero. Don't forget, you too can be a checkmark hero. Go to nerdcognito.com or just Venmo. Eight bucks to at nerdcognito. It's the cheapest plug that we have. And we certainly appreciate 
all of our checkmark heroes. Well, Greg, thanks for swinging by. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, can't wait for what I know is going to be a successful campaign for you. Um, we're going to get you there. No doubt about it. We're about halfway through as of this podcast right now. So we can get you there. Go check it out. 10 bucks, people. 10 bucks. Uh, pick it up on Indiegogo. Thanks for stopping in, Greg. Yep. Thanks again for having me on. No, not a problem. We will talk to you soon. Yeah, you have a good one. You too, Greg. Yeah, so Bert, aside from not being able to get a hard copy, uh, I'm super, super geeked for this expansion. Me too. I mean, you you know I'm playing a catfolk rogue in one of my gaming groups right now, so I have a soft spot in my heart for, you know, animal folk. So I, I think this will be a great resource for me as far as, like, I like that sort of lore and story and build-up. And I love the fact that it's not animals in a high fantasy world. It's animal folk in an animal folk world. And that makes it so much more interesting. <sighs> Man, Greg always hits some home runs. I hope that we can we can really get some some eyes to it. I know I said it a bunch, but go to the Indiegogo. Ten bucks, people. Ten bucks. Uh, after you go there and cough up ten bucks, hey, we're going to ask you to do something that's absolutely free, and that is just go to the podcast provider of your choice and make sure that you are subscribed. Maybe throw us a review and tell your friends. Tell everybody about Nerd Cognito. When they say, what are you listening to? You say, Nerd Cognito. It's these two jerks that talk about all things nerdy. <laughs> um, but we sincerely appreciate word of mouth is the best way that we can get the word out about this humble show. And we sincerely appreciate all of your efforts. So... Like, subscribe, retweet, share, but no matter what you do, make sure that you tell everybody. <laughs> uh, well, that's about it for us this week, Bert. Um, man, it was just one thing right after another. So much interesting stuff this week. I, I think absolutely we had a absolutely. really, really deep show. Plus, uh, you know, the, the best part was the news was short. <laughs> <laughs> the news was short and that gave us more time with our friend Greg. So that's even better. So um, definitely uh, a good week. Short news week is always a good week. So uh, I guess that's it. That's, that's about our time. So I am going to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we love talking about the stuff that we love every week and we also love the fact that that you join us for our weekly chats my name is ryan david i was joined of course by bert and we will talk at you next week be safe out there everybody